JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. The debut of one, Sam Ellinger. Back to your calls in a second, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic covering the Colts, Zach Kiefer joins us. You agree with me on this because I've constantly been told by folks over there because people ask, Colts fans say, do they really believe this is you know a game-winning type of move they're making at quarterback? And even if I don't believe it, they believe it, and Ryan was so bad on the season so far, they believe in this move even if others don't, correct? Yeah, I think they're buying that. I think they're selling that. I don't know if it's going to pan out that way. I think I'm on I don't think it will. But they do believe in it right now, and uh, that doesn't mean we have to, but they do. I think all of your listeners out there, anyone who's watched this team play would agree with this statement. Yards are so freaking hard to come by right now, and they need to do something. I, I don't think anybody out there would disagree with when I say that 7-9-1 or 8-8-1 eight, eight or whatever they would finish with Matt Ryan, because this team wasn't going to go anywhere right now as currently constructed, does nothing for this franchise. It does nothing for the fan base. It does nothing for Frank Reich or Chris Ballard. And certainly it's not good enough for Jim Irsay. So, you know, there's a very strong feeling within the building that we want to see what we have in this kid. Now, whether that goes – good or bad we're going to have to find out and honestly I'm a little anxious to see but they've seen enough of Matt Ryan they know what he is and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an either or situation when you look at why this didn't work I think it's both a failure from the team and then the quarterback didn't help his case by turning the ball over so often so Zach Kiefer with us there's no doubt about that I want to get to Matt Ryan uh, and what's going to end up happening to him in a second. People also ask me, like I'm sure they're asking you, you know, they say first, hey, Frank Rack's got to go. There's no way he can do it. I, I go back to Jim Irsay with the you know tie at the hip of Grigson and Pagano. I'm sorry, Ballard and Reich should be the same right here because to me it is equal what has been put together is not working, what has been coached is not working. I know it's not going to go down that way, but to me it should. Yeah, Grixon and Pagano were tied at the hip until they weren't. And, and I remember asking that question to Jim Irsay a year later after he fired Ryan Grixon. I said, whatever happened to tied at the hip? And he looked right at me and he said, I untied them. So you're tied at the hip and continuity is great and, until it's not working. This is not working right now. Now, I will say this. There's 10 games left. This is a huge, huge, huge challenge for Frank Reich and, and the coaching staff right now, the offensive coaching staff. Marcus Brady, Scott Milanovic, but it's also an opportunity. If they can somehow get something going with Frank, with Frank Reich and Sam Ellinger, 
we'll see what happens because they were not getting anything going, anything with Matt Ryan and this offensive line that is putrid and that has regressed into one of the worst in football. So there's an opportunity there, but I think, and and I know you've been screaming this for years, it has never been more apparent that this Band-Aid at quarterback, this carousel, this let's go find somebody else's garbage stale quarterback every year is not going to work. It hasn't worked. They've missed on the last two. It's never been more apparent that you need to go find one. And I don't mean in the third round. I don't mean in the second round. You need to find one in the first round this next year. Now, does Chris Ballard make that pick? That's going to be Jim Irsay's decision. Um, and whether Frank Wright coaches that quarterback is another Jim Irsay decision. Zach Kiefer is with us. Back to Ellinger in a second and some of those decisions that will be made. Regarding the decision on Matt Ryan, 37-year-old quarterback is now going to be in a glass case until the end of the season here to make sure he is healthy, of good health, uh, when they cut him loose to save a little bit of money. Is that where we're going on this? I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I don't want to speculate. We had so many questions questions to, answer, to ask yesterday about you know Sam Ellinger and this decision that Matt Ryan's future wasn't something we got to. We will get to that in the coming days. $12 million guaranteed for next year. I believe it's an $18 million cap it. That's prohibitive. But, again, this was a team that was willing to pay a lot of money to Carson Wentz to go away last year if, if they couldn't find a trade partner. They did. They got away with that. Uh, this will be fascinating. As of right now, on the depth chart that the team released today, which I don't put a lot of stock in usually, but this was telling, Sam Ellinger is the one, Nick Foles is the two, Matt Ryan is the three. Now, I don't think Matt Ryan takes another snap as the Colts quarterback this season, barring significant injuries to the first two. But if he's healthy, which I think he will be at some point when the Colts are playing games, I would think he's your number two and not your number three. But then again, does it even matter at this point? Because it's going to be Sam Ellinger's show. And, and, and I think it's good they're giving him more than – they didn't want to give him a short leash. They didn't want to just – pull him after an interception because those are going to come. I think it's a fair 10-game assessment to see what you have in Sam Ellinger. This probably gets you a better draft pick as well, and it sets up the table for the next move, which is really the one that matters. All right, Ellinger on Sunday. What's your expectation? And are they working hard and late to try to reformat this offense, really for the second time in now three weeks, to fit a guy that's never played the position at the NFL level that's going to be thrust into this. Other team knows it. Everybody knows it. And we're talking about still, Zach, this Colts team's 3-3-1 before Halloween. There are a lot of teams out there probably would say, I wish this team was 3-3-1 right now. Yeah, that's the funny part. I mean, they're, they're still in this right now. They're in a better spot than they were a year ago in terms of record, right? They were 2-5 and five a year ago, and the difference being Carson Wentz had thrown 11 touchdowns and one interception, and, and, and we've talked a lot about the quarterback mess now. John, I'll be honest, I can't wait to see what they do with Sam Ellinger on Sunday. I can't wait to see like what it looks like because I was tired of watching what I was watching. I mean, does anybody want to go you know, watch more of what we saw in Denver or what we saw in Tennessee? Um, at least you give the kid a chance. And, and to answer your question about what they're going to do with them. They're going to do all the things you think they're going to do. They're going to roll them out on boots and naked, and they're going to move them around, and they're going to do a different offense. Marcus Brady said today that they're different quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan, they had built an offense around him to win in the pocket, and now they don't have to win in the pocket because Sam can move and he can make some stuff happen. He's not going to be as accurate. I thought Ryan was really accurate 
with tight window throws when he wasn't throwing to the other team. And that will, that will be something that will be hard to replicate because that's really hard to do, that, that really high-level accuracy. But the thing is, like, tell me if I'm crazy. I think Ellinger's going to make a couple things happen, maybe get a couple third downs with his legs. I think this might be a good thing for Jonathan Taylor because if you watch the way the Titans defended the Colts on Sunday, they knew the Colts couldn't go down the field. The Colts have three receivers who are big play guys who have been relegated to 10-yard catches or less, right? Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell. Like, the Titans knew the Colts couldn't go deep because Ryan's arm, it it doesn't look good. Like, it looks like it's almost shot. I mean, did you see that Paris Campbell out route that took forever to get there? The the Colts noticed that. The Colts saw that. They know there were limitations with that. And and maybe if Sam is to keep a defense guessing a little bit, that might open a lane or two for Jonathan Taylor because that guy hasn't seen an open hole since December of last year. And if they can get Taylor going, there might be something they can do on offense. But honestly, I was tired of watching this offense. Yards were so hard to come by. At least with this move, you have a chance to do something different. So Zach Key for the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So do we expect Michael Pittman Jr., I guess, going to get his wish, going to run down the field and then – Ellinger's going to throw it up in the air and have him go get it? Sure. Why not? (laughs) I mean, right? I mean, give your playmakers the ball in space, and and maybe this helps Naheem Hines a little bit to get him some catches. But, um, you know, Ellinger's on this two-year plan right now. You know, the biggest reason he fell to the sixth round is his intangibles are off the charts. It's his arm strength. Everybody knows this, right? He's a little undersized. He's working with Tom House on a two-year plan to improve his velocity. And I asked him about it in the, in, the, in the camp, and his explanation went straight over my head. It was like physics and science, and it was some high-level stuff that if I tried to explain, I would sound like an idiot. But the bottom line is there was a big difference, and this is one of the reasons why he's the starter right now. There's a big difference in the way he threw the ball last year in training camp and this year in training camp. That doesn't mean he's going to be the guy. It just means he's gotten a lot better, and it's caught the coach's eyes. And he made some throws in this preseason that told the coaches – okay, he might have a chance to be a guy in the NFL. Let's not go further than that. He's going to get his shot, and he's going to have to prove it. And like I've said a couple times, this is not the Detroit third stringers. This is not the preseason in August. This is the first-team defense game-planning against you. It's a completely different animal. And we'll see what Sam Ellinger can do. All right, I have people asking. I say Ellinger. You have said Ellinger. (laughs) I don't know, man. I go Ellinger. I just, I'm just curious. I, I mean, is it Ellinger? Because I always thought it was Ellinger. The reason why I ask is because people are asking. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because right, you going to come over on my side with this then, Ellinger? Yeah, because like if we're both wrong, then and at least we can share the Is that key for the Athletic is on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you think that Michael Pittman Jr.? was taking a shot at Frank Reich when he mentioned about, you know, trusting the receivers more at going after the ball down the field than what they were doing? I don't necessarily think it was a shot, a direct shot. I think it's a lot of offensive players on this team are really frustrated that they can't do what they can do, right? I mean, this offensive line is holding this team back. The quarterback in some ways is holding this team back. I really believe Michael Pittman was going to have a breakout season. And I feel like everything is there for him to do it, but he's got to have the guy throwing the football to him. So maybe we're having a different conversation in a month, but I do think the 
the offensive frustration for the guys that have been here is very palpable. Like, these guys have played through – I mean, Naheem Hines is on his sixth different starting quarterback in five years. Michael Pittman is, is on his fourth. Like, I'm losing track of how many guys these guys have played through. And to be honest, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's on Chris Ballard, and that's on Jim Irsay, and that's on Frank Reich, and, and these guys deserve better. I'm just not sure when that's going to arrive because they just keep going through this cycle that's never-ending. And I think, you know, for the first time, they're willing to go backwards to go forward. They keep trying to just patchwork and Band-Aid it and just keeps trying to stay level and they're staying in that 12 to 15 to 20 range where that doesn't help you. So maybe at, at this point they're willing to go backwards to finally fix this problem, but it's going to take some bumps. It's going to take some bumps in the road, and there's going to be some growing pains. And I'm not sure Michael Pittman's going to be thrilled with the offense the rest of the year unless Sam Ellinger is way more than we think he is. Clearly, Jim Irsay had heavy influence on this decision. No doubt about that. What was the breaking point here? Was there a defining moment where they just said, all right, enough is enough, and now we're going to try Ellinger and move forward? Yeah, the interesting part here, and, and this has been weeks in the making, make no mistake, this was not something that was decided Monday morning. Um, this was going to happen at some point unless Ryan just turned the corner, and he never did. Um, the interesting point is they, they had an out, and they didn't take it. They could have just said this was the injury. And they didn't. And that really stood out to me because this was going to happen regardless of Matt Ryan's status. If he was completely healthy right now, he would not be the starting quarterback. And that's really telling. You know, I watched Jim Mersey on Sunday, and this is a pretty staggering scene. Walk out of the locker room in Tennessee with his head down, and he didn't say a thing. And he almost always says at least something. And this was an owner that five days earlier had really set the league on fire with his comments about Daniel Snyder. And he said, you know, the most, the loudest thing of anyone on that topic last week. And in this moment, after another, another beating in Tennessee, the team that he wants to beat more than any other team, a team that they didn't even score an offensive touchdown, and they still won by nine because the Colts were so bad on offense. Jim Irsay walked out of the locker room and said nothing. And I wondered what was going through his mind at that point because I bet a good amount of money that he knew that that was going to be Matt Ryan's last game as the Colts quarterback because they, they just couldn't continue on this road because it was just going nowhere. Yeah, people ask me, are they tanking? And my answer has been, well, if they're tanking, they would have just kept Matt Ryan out there because he's the worst. <laughs> good rebuttal. Yeah, he is the, the worst quarterback in the NFL through the first seven weeks of the season, so you could have just left him out there. Again, I don't have visions of greatness in this maneuver they're making right now, but I, I did say yesterday, and I do agree with it, Zach, I, they're doing something. There's no doubt about that. They are doing something to see if they can find anything whatsoever, and I guess part of the problem significantly to me, and I'm assuming you as well, has been this offensive line. Do they have any answers as to why it has been so awful this season? I mean, John, they've tried they've tried like six different combinations. That answers your question right there. They don't have answers and they don't know why. And it's it's staggering. That's the question I get more than anything else is um you know, I think it's important to note that when they sat down yesterday, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, and Frank Wright. Frank looked at Matt and said, we failed you. Like, we didn't deliver on our end of the bargain. 
And I think it's, it's both things can be true. The offensive line failed and the quarterback failed and the coach, right? All, all of those things are true. But this was not what he was sold on. He was sold on playing behind a great offensive line and handing off to a great running back. And they just, they've not only regressed to average on the offensive line, it's, it's got to be one of the worst units in football. And we're talking about 24 sacks right now is more than they gave up to Carson all last year in 17 games. And they still have 10 games to go. So that's more sacks in seven games than they allowed all of last season. Now, Carson didn't get enough credit for avoiding sacks. He was pretty athletic in the pocket. Um, now, part of that is him extending plays and making bad decisions after that. And I get that. But um, 80 quarterback hits, 110 pressures, 24 sacks. I don't think any quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen would be able to avoid this and make this work. So I don't even think Matt Ryan got a fair shake. Now, he made it worse. He certainly made it worse with his interceptions. But, you know, that's the shame of it. That's the shame of it. This this is not going to work for anybody if this offensive line doesn't get better. I don't think there's a magic pill. I don't think they're just going to turn the corner and start playing better. They're trying They're trying Matt Pryor at four different positions. I've lost track. Um, it's I, I Honestly, it's, it's kind of a shame that Matt Ryan lost his job before Chris Strasser because his unit has regressed so noticeably this year. It's absolutely handicapping the rest of the offense. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that he's still around as well. Was there a pitch count on 28 out there in Nashville on Sunday, or was it just the flow, or I guess lack thereof, that Frank Reich was going with with the play calling? So you tell me what you think of this, because this feels like a pitch count to me, but we asked about this, and he said there wasn't a pitch count. However, there was a planned rotation. So my thought is, well, that's a pitch count. Um I don't get it, man. Like, I don't get it. Taylor was giving them something. And is it, it, was it Taylor or is it Reich? I, and I know in the case of Leonard, it was the Colts not letting him go yeah. out there. But was this because – the reason why I bring this up is because you know this. Jonathan Taylor always talks about, you know, being in tune with his body, knowing when he's not ready, knowing what he can get through, endure, and knowing when he shouldn't. And I kind of was curious if, if maybe that was a little bit of 28 making that decision or if that was the coaching staff doing that. I got no sense that 28 wasn't 100% and wasn't ready to fully go. Now, that's just me and my conversations with Jonathan Taylor. I thought he was really dang close to play in Jacksonville, against Jacksonville the week before. They held him out. He had three full practices this previous week and wasn't even on the injury report. So I don't think it was the player. I understand mixing it up and trying different things with Deion Jackson, who had played well. And with Naheem Hines, who for five years they've been trying to get involved and they haven't found a way to consistently do it. But Taylor, I've never seen a player find eight yards when he's supposed to get three more often than JT. I mean, there there is nowhere to go for him. And he's trying like hell. And he's making a lot happen with a little. And I think it's pretty obvious that that guy's frustrated because the pops, right, the, the big chunk runs, the 30, 40, 50, 80 yards, getting an 81-yard run last year, that really changed this offense and scared defenses. They're just not present right now. And and it's 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 unbelievable that a team with Jonathan Taylor has the 30th ranked rushing offense right now. Yeah, it is incredible. Shaquille Leonard, any sense come tomorrow during practice rest of the week, whether or not he's going to get the okay, the thumbs up to go on Sunday? Man, I quit predicting that a long time ago because – you think one thing, and then it's the other, and then it's the team, and then it's the player. Um, I, I think he plays. I think they held him out last week to just be really, really safe. It sounds like he's cleared the concussion. The ankle is fine. 
and the nose is, is healing. But, um, you know, they, they need a spark. I, I'm not blaming this struggle right now on the defense. I'm certainly not doing that after they didn't give up an offensive touchdown in Tennessee. But, um, you know, 53 adds to the energy for everybody. Him being back out there will help. But these, these issues right now are certainly on the other side of the ball. All right, the Colts signed a dude to the practice squad as a punter today. Um, Matt Hawk, job in jeopardy at all? Or did he kind of save it with, maybe it was the final punt, I can't remember, but at least one out of however many he had actually was decent on Sunday. I don't get it, man. Those were the worst punts I've ever seen. Yeah, they were terrible. And, yeah. and, and I was watching him during halftime when he was practicing, and he was punting normal. He was booted it down the field. I don't get it. I think they're going to work both out this week. We'll see what happens. But um, obviously the the last thing you need to be doing is losing the field position battle, right, when you don't have an offense that can move the football. Any other injuries they are going to watch for practice-wise coming up tomorrow and the rest of the week? You know, my eyes are going to be on number four this week and to see what this offense looks like with Sam Ellinger. Uh, they're fairly healthy. I mean, they're fairly healthy in a, in a couple different ways. But, you know, we're going to have to see what they do with the quarterback and with the receivers. And, you know, the, the thing that disappeared on Sunday that got buried is the fact that the tight ends didn't do anything. And, and Moelle Cox was wide open on that second interception where Matt Ryan missed him across the middle of the field. And, you know, Mo had that big day with two touchdowns a couple of weeks ago, and, and he's done nothing since. I don't even think he's been targeted very many times. And it's just another question that just seems like it's, it's unanswered right now with this, with this very confusing football team. Can we view this as a DEFCON 1 territory right here being the absolute worst? If you're going 1 through 5 and DEFCON phases here, would this be considered 1 or is it still not there yet as far as how the owner feels about the entirety of the team, including the general manager and the head coach? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, if you, if you would have gone back and asked me on September 1st before the season started that, Sam Ellinger would be the starter in week eight, and it's not because of an injury. I'm, I would have gone with DEFCON 1. Yeah, you right? would, you I mean, would, you would sense FUBAR. Yeah, you would de- definitely I mean, sense FUBAR. But the problem is you're 3-3, three, 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 yeah, even among the disappointing games this year, and certainly the games in the division, Zach, you are 3-3-1. Three, three, and one, And I would have to think, this is just me thinking out loud, that you would have to be very careful to look as if you're not punting the season here before Halloween, even if you don't have as much confidence behind the scenes in what you're doing here with this this decision um, compared to what you give out there in a public setting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's really hard to do that because they're, they're not one in five and they're not two right. in five or they're not in, in last place when it looks really obvious. And no, the season's not over. I, I don't care what anyone says. It's just simply not over. And, and try go tell DeForest Buckner, who's playing through a busted elbow, and Grover Stewart, who's playing his butt off, and Stephon Gilmore, who didn't come here to play with, you know, a second-year quarterback who's never thrown an NFL pass. Like, a lot of these guys are doing their jobs, and, and to punt on the season would just be a slap in the face to them. So, no, they're not going to say that, and, and I don't think they are. I, I do think they genuinely want to find out what Sam Ellinger is made of. And I know I know Jim Mercer is a big fan of Sam Ellinger, and, he, and he's been – since they brought him in, and, and, and Jim and his classic hyperbole, you know, mentioned he's a six-round pick, and so was Tom Brady. This was last year during training camp before anything happened. Um, but I, I think it's fair for this team to want to find out what they have in Sam Ellinger because then you understand where you're going next, right? You understand that, well, this guy could be a guy, or we absolutely 
unequivocally need to find a quarterback in round one in the spring. Yeah, I had mentioned yesterday that some in the locker room, from what I have been told, a little bit twisted, right? There's some twist. And I, and I don't know if that's just a product of frustration more than anything else of where they are. Um, but you think everybody, once you talk or get the opportunity to talk to everybody in that locker room, you think everybody's going to be on board with the decision they're making right here? That's what I want to find out. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow in the locker room. Well, and, and damn I'll it, I should have had you on tomorrow then. That's Right, yeah. right, yeah. Culture off today. Look, look, I think both things can be true. Um, and we're getting a lot of blowback, but Matt Ryan, is he's a great leader. Like, he's a, he's a dude. Like, that's not BS. Like, I, I know who's not and who is. I've covered this league long enough. He is that guy. And it's not an accident they won three games at the buzzer, buzzer because he played well in the fourth quarter. Now, that doesn't remove all the mistakes before that. It does not do that. But there's a lot to Sam Ellinger as well. And I've written a lot about him and his story and how he got here. And maybe that doesn't impact how he plays football. But there's a lot to this kid. And I think it's fair to see what he's made of. But um, that's the fascinating part. And, and maybe not they're going to say that publicly. Uh, but but these guys these guys were behind Matt Ryan. Like, I, that's not BS. That's not just media speak or coach speak or player speak. Like, they were behind Matt Ryan, and and this is this is tough. Like this was a this was a tough day for this team yesterday. Like admitting that they had made a mistake going to get Matt Ryan, and they, and they couldn't make it work. And I think, in a lot of ways, it's an organizational failure because it's not just on the quarterback or or the offense. It's it's a little bit of everybody. It has not looked at all like they said it would, and there's no <laughs> right. doubt that is an absolute organizational failure. And that's that's from Jim on down. I mean, it's, you know, they, you know, Jim is the one that, you know, made them go in the direction where they ultimately get Matt Ryan, had to jump through some hoops to do that. Now, and you're still trying to guess on this whole quarterback thing. There, there are so many different layers of this. We don't really have enough time to cover it all, but um, it all equates to just uh, a, a complete letdown organizationally and a level of disappointment. And we'll see if um, Ellinger can re spark something reflow some juices coming up on Sunday because otherwise it's going to be a long remainder of the season if things of this nature don't start popping and working and I don't I can't sit here and tell you that I expect it yeah let's not let's let's not sugarcoat it this is going to be a bumpy road like that's what it is yes they can say all they want you know they said Matt Ryan was going to work out and that didn't work out so why why should we believe him now Let's see what Sam can do. He gets a fair chance. He gets ten games, um, but it, 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 it's not going to be it's it's not going to be a storybook ending with a Super Bowl. Let's 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 temper that expectation right now. Got it. Uh, the athletic Zach Kiefer is going to be in the locker room tomorrow. I'll be able to tell you some things about what the guys are talking about. My guess is they're going to say we're firmly behind this guy. We believe in Sam. Believe in his ability, especially from the locker room leaders. That's what you're going to get tomorrow yeah and yeah. it's and sam's a he's a really likable guy sure it's not bs but it doesn't sugarcoat the fact that this is a mess complete mess it is zach i appreciate you man have a great rest of the week Thanks, man have a good one zach key for the athletic on the andy moore automotive group hotline andy moore automotive group hotline he's sitting in minnesota somewhere going damn man would you get me on the show here how long do i have to stink and wait for this ben brown of pff the data scientist is with us how are you 
I'm doing well. I think I I, I kind of want to go to Bullseye on Sunday now that you mentioned it. That sounds like a pretty good time. I know you're sitting there staring at your calculator watch because all you dudes have one going, come on, man, how long do I got to sit here on hold before I can come on your show, right? <laughs> I mean, I enjoy I enjoy the openings. I uh, I, I get a chuckle out of all, this, all of it, to be honest with you. Oh, you know, uh, I was trying to figure out a way, Ben, because the Ellinger storyline has basically taken over around here. Right. Is, is there a way, are there any numbers that you can look at to give anybody any thought about what, what could happen on Sunday? Are there any numbers? I mean, I do think we're going to see, you know, a, a little bit of like a fundamental shift from an offensive scheme perspective. I do think that, you know, w- one of the reasons that Matt Ryan hasn't been successful whatsoever, you know, really, uh, you know, at any point throughout the 2022 season has been, you know, in a lot of ways, the pressure situation. Some of that is definitely his fault. Some of that definitely the offensive line's fault. I do think getting, you know, going in the in a much younger version at quarterback, you're obviously going to have a little bit more rushing upside. I think that was, you know, in some ways, at least the benefit that they had with Carson Wentz at quarterback last year in this Colts offense. So I think you will definitely see some production uh, from from Sam Allinger with his legs specifically. But I mean, he is, you know, very much a sixth round draft pick. Hasn't made, you know, uh, you know, one NFL start so far. But I do think that he, you know, in some ways has a pretty respectable, I would say, profile for, you know, having some potential success uh, at the NFL level. I think, you know, if you want to compare his game, um, you know, a, a guy that, you know, would be at the top of his range, but very much, I think, you know, as a potential outcome is a guy like Kirk Cousins, you know, fourth round draft pick, not necessarily thought of to have, you know, the strongest arm, does try and make, you know, a, you know, a number of throws that maybe he shouldn't in certain situations, but for all intents and purposes, can kind of get the ball to his playmakers after the catch. Now, the question is, do the Colts have enough playmakers to kind of help elevate Sam Ellinger or not? And I do think, you know, that's, you know, kind of the question that we've had for the past three seasons, I would say, from the Colts perspective. So Ben Brown of PFF with us with the numbers every Tuesday on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I know that ultimately in the NFL, the quarterback is going to get all of the blame, and that's just the way it is. That's why they make so much money, because they get all the accolades, they get all the MVPs, and then when things go haywire, they get all the blame. But logically speaking, looking at your numbers here and your analyst work, how much of his inefficiency or just the debacle we have seen with his play getting him benched how much of that is him compared to how much of it is the offensive line and a complete and utter lack of what is a running game to this point both was expected when they brought him in here yeah i mean i i think in a lot of ways you do still have to give matt ryan you know a heavy dose of of the responsibility and the blame. Like you said, a lot of that does fall on the quarterback's shoulders. Yeah. He is the one guy that is responsible for, you know, uh, adjusting plays at the line of scrimmage if things aren't necessarily set up, from, you know, from, uh, you know, a possibility of the offense actually being successful given the defensive front, defensive scheme, everything else that he's reading. And he has very much not been effective doing that. And I do think that, you know, in, in some ways we do expect some sort of initial learning curve, bringing in a new quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback, um, you know, in this type of situation, but I think it's been far worse than expected. And I do think that, you know, for how bad everyone's been, it does still fall with the blame at the quarterback position. And I think making the change, you know, to at least find out, you know, not only what you have in Sam Ellinger, but what you maybe have in future years as well uh, is definitely a prudent decision right now. Unfortunately, you're making it with, you know, your back kind of against the wall in so many situations. Yeah. And, and I've said this before, 
you're three, three, and one, and I know that you've won one of your first five within your division, which basically depances you before Halloween, but you're also three, three, and one in the AFC where, you know, everything can be um, a little bit, I guess, out to lunch with the exception of what you've seen from Buffalo and you've beaten Kansas City. Does it surprise you that they go with this decision when they do? And now, granted, he's got that shoulder injury, so I'm sure that played a role. But, you know, saying that he's going to be there for the rest of the season, a little bit robust, I would suggest. Does that surprise you? I mean, it does. It does a little bit, but um, I, I still think that, you know, given the current state of the team and maybe, you know, maybe they're finally and they probably shouldn't given you know the track record of where they've been at in previous years and they could you know like you said you don't want to see anybody lose their job but they are very much i would say in the hot seat from the gm to the coach on through but they very much are are really not in you know i would say in a really good spot to actually contend in the afc now they could definitely be a playoff team you know if, if things break right with sam ellinger at quarterback or even with matt ryan at quarterback but are they actually going to be, you know, favored in any sort of game, uh, even even if they did somehow win the AFC South, which I'm not really saying they're going to now. But if that was kind of the hope in the preseason, would they still be even favored in that particular match of kind of going into that wild card route? And I think that, you know, given the current state of the team and everything else, even if they make the playoffs, there's there's still not a whole lot closer, I would say, to the Super Bowl. So if they eventually want to be a Super Bowl type contending team, I do think that understanding what they have at the quarterback position and finally getting that resolved for a six, you know, a, a number of years in advance is very much, I would say uh, the decision that they absolutely have to do. And, you know, kind of taking the bandaid off and actually doing that a little bit, I think is at least uh, the correct approach for 2020. Hey, ben thumb through your quarterback numbers right now and tell us as it stands, because we're not going to see him again. I'm assuming now that the Colts put him in a, shoulder injury glass case and try to save some money on the back end once they cut him loose at the end of the year so that's that's my assumption here so again the suggestion is season is over where do the numbers rank matt ryan through these seven weeks of the season we saw him play yeah it was it was really bad so i think uh you know if we're looking at all quarterbacks and this could be some injuries and everything else all quarterbacks with at least 35 dropbacks um from a pff grading perspective this is both um, you know, this is both offense or this is both uh, rushing the football and passing. Matt Ryan is, you know, the 32nd ranked quarterback. Now there are, you know, some guys currently starting that are under him just based on the injury situation. But, you know, he's he's not even giving them, I would say, league average quarterback play right now. And I think, you know, with 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 the situation that, you know, wide receiver Alec Pierce has been good. But I think, you know, they still need, uh, you know, somebody there, you know, even 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 top 15 quarterback play isn't going to get there. And so the fact that you're, you know, kind of a basement dweller from, uh, you know, quarterback play through the first seven weeks of the season is, you know, very much an indictment on, you know, Matt Ryan just not being very good at this stage in his career, unfortunately. What does he rank? 32nd, basically, um, <laughs> is where I have him. Did, you, have not, did you not want to go with that number? Did you think it was bad enough that he got, <laughs> I mean, he I, got benched? Is that I his? felt bad. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad. I mean, it's one of those things that it's it's ugly. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. I think when you are um, you know, from a passing perspective, he has been just a little bit better. We have him as a 28th ranked passing quarterback, uh, but the fact that he doesn't bring anything with his legs, he drops to you know 32nd when we're looking at overall offensive uh, grade. So it's 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 unfortunately bad. The guys the guys that are right around Matt Ryan right now uh, from a passing perspective. <laughs> Russell Wilson, 
Trevor Lawrence and Cooper Rush. So, um, you know, very much, I would say, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence obviously probably still hasn't lived up to the hype in year two, but, uh, you know, very much, I would say, not, not, not a franchise-type quarterback grouping that you want to be in right now. Yep. I, I appreciate you trying to let everybody down easy on that, but I think most people expected that type of number with the response. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Carson Wentz does have a better passing grade than, than Matt Ryan so far this year. So that's the, that's the, that's the kicker, yeah. I would say. Right? Yeah, you know, and who knows? That thing, maybe it doesn't change. Maybe it ends the year that way. Right. right? So, right. hey, uh, look up uh, Taylor Heineke. Where does he rank coming in here with his mammoth performance? We're waiting coming up on Sunday with uh, Heineke versus Ellinger. So yeah, so he was really, I would say, not great from a, from a passing perspective last week. I think he was pretty good against the rush, but uh, he had one of the lowest graded passing performances, um, you know, from our perspective. And it was all to do uh, with, with five turnover where he plays. Only one of those actually resulted in an interception. But he, he made a lot of, like, really questionable throws last Sunday uh, and, and kind of got lucky that the Packers weren't able to kind of take advantage of that. If they, if, if they do, uh, you know, I think that the final outcome in that game is pretty different. So I, I do think that, you know, if, if the Colts are opportunistic here on Sunday, they should very much have, uh, you, you know, the ability to at least get or generate, uh, you know, a couple turnovers. I think that's got to be, um, you know, the way in which that the Colts end up winning this game. Did you say the Colts generating turnovers? What uh, year is this? I mean, if, when did if, you say that? If Taylor Heineke, if Taylor Heineke is, uh, you know, giving, gifting them some prepackaged interceptions, maybe I guess you are right. They were opportunistic. I would say, uh, you know, last year in 2021, and there is, you know, some turnover type luck, which we, we probably haven't fully understood, but um, yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's got to be in some ways the hope is turning over and getting some of those big plays, I would say, defensively. Ben Brown of PFF on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm going to give you just a second while I read this this tweet uh, to me, I would assume here, uh, to look up the offensive line numbers of the Colts, okay? And we'll play off of that as I read you this from Robbie B. I'm sick of hearing how bad the offensive line is. The offensive line hasn't fumbled once or thrown a single interception all year. You can't win games when you keep giving the opponent the ball. Standing like a statue doesn't help anything. At least Sam can run. That is Robbie B. All right, give me those offensive line numbers, and let's even talk up the possibility of improvement with a guy that certainly can move around more than the 37-year-old Ryan. Yeah, so we have the Colts uh, as a 27th-ranked pass-blocking unit uh, through the first seven weeks of the season, so I definitely don't think it's been, I would say, uh, you know, overly successful uh, from a um, from a run-blocking perspective. We basically have them uh, just a little, bit, uh, a little bit above league average, actually. So we have them 13th overall, so... Uh, you know, they've at least been somewhat adequate and it, and it is, you know, sort of an issue if they haven't really been able to, you know, rush the football, even getting somewhat decent run blocking grade. But yeah, the, the pass blocking situation, um, really poor 27th overall. I do think that, uh, you know, the mobile quarterback element definitely helps in that regard. And I do think that, you know, h- him having some ability to escape or at least extend some plays will at least allow the receivers to hopefully get more open in their routes. All right, so do you have enough ammunition to talk me into this right now for Sunday? You got enough ammo? 
talk, I mean, talk I me, talk so. me in, talk me into it. I, I have put a great deal of blame on the offensive line and especially in pass protection. But with that movement that everybody wants to talk about and everybody is excited about right now, would you expect there to be? I don't want to say easier, that's wrong, but certainly an improvement in the pass protection with a guy that's not basically cemented into the ground. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see some improvement. So I think, you know, maybe the pressure rate kind of hovers around where it's at, which is definitely below league average. But I think that the, the, the sustained, you know, high, really bad plays that they've experienced because of those pressure situations, um, I think that's going to be the point where they, you know, that's going to hopefully be the thing that gets cut out because Sam Ellinger is able to, you know, at least throw the football away. If not, you know, maybe turn a highly negative play into, you know, maybe just a couple yard loss or something like that. So I do think we're going to see some improvement in that area. And then that at least somewhat keeps you ahead of the change in certain situations. So you do still have the option to run the football with, you know, Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines, and you don't necessarily have to make that, you know, 15-yard throw downfield in order to convert on third and long. So I, I think that that's the thing is kind of staying ahead of the chains, more run-heavy approach. Uh, but I think, you know, if that happens, uh, you know, the Colts should very much, I would say, um, you know, be able to handle this victory, be able to walk away with this game victorious. And that's kind of, you know, the, the direction that the betting market is leading right now. So Ben Brown of PFF, if you would go ahead and go to the defense. And I want to start with the Washington Commanders, because obviously they may be up front licking their chops a little bit about having a guy that's uh, making his first start in the NFL coming up on Sunday against the Colts. But how has that group performed so far this year? Yeah, I think, you know, they they were kind of, I would say, uh, you know, valued higher than what they've actually lived up to at this point in time. I think some of that is, you know, Chase Young specifically hasn't gotten into the fold. It does sound like he is going to be at least back at practice, but still sounds very much doubtful for this particular week. That is definitely, you know, I would say a win from a Colts pass blocking perspective. But we have uh, the commanders as uh, the 14th best pass rush team so far this season from a PFF grading standpoint, I think. If you're looking at it more from like the pressure situation, uh, they have been better. I think they're fourth overall uh, in, in generating pressure so far this year. So they have had to, I would say, um, you know, it, it, in, in some ways manufacture that. I think they have, um, let's see what they have here. I think they have one of the highest blitz rates. Uh, I guess it's more league average blitz rates. So they have been pretty good from a pressure perspective. Um, and, and I do agree with you that, you know, given the current state of the Colts offensive line, uh, they very much, I would say, have to be looking forward to this particular matchup. So chomping at the bit is what you're saying right there. All right. Flip- the bit. I mean, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> flip it and find the uh, the Colts defense right here from what we've seen because there's been there's been a great deal of disappointment and certainly trying to get any turnover, any takeaways whatsoever has been problematic. Whether or not you want to pin that on Shaquille Leonard not being a part of it compared to a year ago and you know, the pass rush and, and the guy that I have really been disappointed in is the guy that you rightly said back in the summertime was rotational and couldn't play against the run. And I think right now he's like last against the run. That's Yannick Ngakwe and not doing really that much better as far as consistently getting after the quarterback. What about that Colts defense starting with the Colts defensive line, Ben? Yeah, so it's been, uh, you know, I would say every bit as bad as, you you know, the eye test has kind of shown you. We have them 27th uh, ranked pass pass rush unit basically um hold on oh hold on a second i'm looking at the wrong thing i gotta look at the right thing here sorry 
Um, they have been uh, oh they're the 28th. Sorry, that's why I gotta look at this. The 28th ranked <laughs> pass rush unit <laughs> so far this season. So it has been uh, bad. They are you know a little bit better from a pressure perspective, but still below below league average. They're 20th overall uh, in pressure rate generated. But yeah, 28th from a pass rush perspective just have not been you know I would say successful in getting after the quarterback, getting after the quarterback quickly. Yeah, you're absolutely right regarding Ngakwe. Credit where credit is due. You said rotational. I mean, I, wish, I was I was upset. I, wish I was right about. Yeah, I was. I wish I was right about Matt Ryan. I honestly still, uh, you know, thought he had something left in the tank, and I think you know we, we kind of definitely saw, um, you know, through the first three weeks of the season that was definitely not the case. Held on, did have you know I would say the one good game, but I think you know last week we kind of talked about the same thing. Now is the time where we need to see him string some string some quality games together and that just has not been the case and I honestly just don't know if he has uh enough left and when you miss you know at the quarterback position uh you know the rest of the wheels fall off so I think that you know even being right on Yannick Ngakwe uh it it doesn't really help or feel good because the Matt Ryan miss was uh you know a a pretty big air ball from my perspective how much does it matter in Ben Brown of PFF was with us I mean everybody says obviously in the the giveaway takeaway department that's that's always big but it it seems like maybe around the NFL it's even more mammoth with those teams that don't take it away compared to giving it away like what we've seen with the Colts. That just buries you. I mean, absolutely buries yeah. you. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, and some of these turnovers, they are you know worth more from the, the EPA-type perspective than a lot of the touchdowns, right? Like, unless you're getting you know a, a 40 or 30 or 40 or 50-yard kind of touchdown play, that one play, you know, isn't necessarily shifting the overall outcome of a game like a like a turnover does. So I think that you know, getting those plays and again, kind of going back to it, it is it is kind of hard to you know predict who's going to be successful. Turnovers do seem you know very much random uh, and kind of tough to predict from you know a, a math and data science type perspective. But uh, you know, the the impact that any one turnover can have is just so great to any specific game. And I do think that, you know, being opportunistic, whether that's, you know, coachable or what, uh, you know, it, it is very much, I would say, a skill set that, you know, we're still trying to understand, I would say, from an analytics perspective. Was that 28th ranking the overall defense of the Colts or just that D-line? It was just the pass rush grade okay. that they had. So I can do overall. Yeah, um, give me give me an overall look because I will say this. Uh, there's some uh, – Grover Stewart has played well. Uh, certainly recently DeForest Buckner has played well. There have been some dudes defensively that don't deserve to be, you know, covered up in that, that particular 28th ranking up front right there. But overall defensively, where do they go? Yeah, we have them – um 22nd overall from a defensive ranking so they definitely have been good you know i, I would say better um you know in, in in like the run defense perspective like you said uh with grover specifically has been pretty good the coverage unit i would say middle of the pack so the pass rush i would say is, is the spot where they have definitely been weakest uh but overall yeah we have them basically as the 22nd best you know overall team defensive uh ranking in the nfl so far this year all right there you go those are the numbers. Three, three, and one, the Colts, and they're going to start for the first time. Sam Ellinger coming up on Sunday against Taylor Heineke and the Commanders of Washington. You're going to have that on like three TVs at your place, aren't you? 
I'm gonna have it on. I I did. I mean, I obviously watched the majority of the Titans game, but the heartbreak at the end was just too much for me, so I had to turn it off. But I will be, uh, you know, sweating this one out to the bitter. And I did bet. I did bet way too much on the Colts uh, last Sunday as well, so the pain was just uh, very real for me. But I find myself, you know, cheering for the Colts. I've kind of always had a soft spot. Uh, you know, in my heart, I would say since like a young kid for an Indianapolis Colts, kind of, they are, I would say very much my second team. So I'd like to see them, you know, get the ship right and kind of move it in the right direction. So you look at um, Tennessee, Tennessee is not that good either. They're just not, they're just, right. they're, they're better coached to me, better coached. And they they have that guys are just going to, to get it done. And the, the Colts just seemingly don't have those guys and it's been that way for the past couple of years in these these matchups with the titans right right i mean i would say you know definitely this year you know slightly better quarterback play uh you know especially but you know outside of that i think you know the colts for the most part maybe you know the pass rush situation once again but kind of outside of that i think they should probably be you know probably have the advantage in every other facet of play but uh you know like you said i think coaching specifically we've seen mike brable consistently kind of, you know, win football games that a lot of people don't necessarily think they're going to win, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and I think that carries over. And I think it's, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this, this culture or character type thing that, uh, you know, people, people talk about quite a bit, but have a really hard time, you know, nailing down or quantifying. I would say. Ben fantastic as always, man. I appreciate jumping on here every Tuesday and uh, get, get ready with your number crunchers and your bean counters, because we got to go deep into Ellinger territory coming up next Tuesday. All right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be positive. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Ben, Thank appreciate you. you, man. Thank you. Ben Brown of PFF, the data scientist right there on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you in a second. Sam Ellinger is the starter for the first time coming up on Sunday. Matt Ryan is benched. And to talk about it on the postgame show, which should be an absolute blast, I'm sure like it was this past weekend. His name is Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Are you excited? I'm intrigued. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as excited yet. Uh, I'm a little surprised. Now, again, if there's an injury, yeah. then it's a different story. Um I am surprised that that there is an injury, but yet still a, de- a declarative statement. Hey, we would have made this move anyway. Um, and honestly, this was the major topic that we had on the post game show on Sunday. Was fans saying, "Hey, I think it's time to make a move to go to Sam Ellinger." So I'm not saying it's the wrong move. I'm just saying that I, I'm kind of surprised that it's that it's now that the move is getting getting made. And again, we have to throw the asterisk on there because. Uh, if it is a legitimate injury to the shoulder of Matt Ryan, then obviously there's not exactly much debate. Ellinger's the guy you're going. Well, there's no doubt. Now they're going to put Ryan in a glass case, right, and make sure that nothing further happens. So when you cut him loose, uh, your your uh, financial hit is not going to be as bad as it might be. Correct? That's what we're going to see now. I, at this point, I have no earthly idea. Um, but that's when, a pretty when, good theory. I'm dropping right here on you. Correct. Last case theory, yeah. There's only about 70 bajillion theories at this point. Uh, But it's mine. It's mine, Greg. Come on, brother. Come on. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, if they had moved Quentin Nelson to left tackle, I'm sure none of this would have happened. Um, (laughs) Cheers. Thank you. You're you're welcome. Um, Again, at this point, I honestly don't know uh, because I'm out of answers. I'm out of guesses. I'm out of logic uh, with this group being 3-3-1. 
because it's nothing like I thought we would see this year. Now, I say this, as bad as Matt Ryan has been, uh, injury or not, deserving to grab some bench, it all starts with an offensive line. He would have been better. He still may have been washed, but he would have been certainly better if this offensive line would have played anywhere near a level in which anybody expected. That is correct. Um, and at the same time, him making bad decisions is also correct, even with the offensive line play being being bad. I mean, again, you look at his stats from from Sunday – it was 33 of 44. I realize almost all of those were in the short passing game. He basically averaged about five and a half yards an attempt right. uh, for what, what, what the uh, the passing yards went out. And while that's not a great stat from an NFL standpoint, it's good enough to win when your defense allows 12 points when you don't make two awful throws like the pick six and, and frankly, the other one that led to the next field goal for the Titans. So, again, both those things can be true. Has the offensive line been anywhere close to what we thought it would be? No. Has Matt Ryan been what we thought anywhere close to what he would be? No, he hasn't been either. You know, it's funny about that. I I don't know if they went this far in in selling this offensive line and and selling a rejuvenating attempt to play quarterback someplace else. But it kind of sounded like there was conversations about, you know, being in the pocket like a a protective golden half halo, if you will, which honestly, you do blame him for making bad mistakes in judgment, throwing balls, dropping balls, whatever. But there's no way in the world that uh, from what they told him it was going to be up here with the old line and that running game that he got anywhere near that. I thought we would see basically a more mobile Phillip Rivers. I thought that's what we were going to see this fall, that that Ryan could throw the ball down the field better than Rivers could, that Ryan could use his feet to buy time better than Rivers could, that he would deliver it on target the way Phillip Rivers did, and that he would get the running game that Phillip Rivers had uh, with Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor in 2020, and that he would get the protection of the offensive line that Phillip Rivers did in 2020. That's why I thought this was a great move. I thought this is going to be an upgrade from what Carson Wentz was a year ago. And you could say that it's been the same or even worse through the first seven games of the season. So, um, again, there's plenty of fingers of blame to go around on this, John. Greg Raystraw, post-game show host of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, changing up the offense again, like the second time, really. In the last three weeks, what do you expect? How are they going to try to cobble this together to get the most out of a guy that's never played the position at this level? You're going to see a lot of RPO, and you would see a handful of that with Matt Ryan. But now you obviously have a quarterback that can threaten to run the football uh, with, with, with Sam Ellinger. And so I think you will see you know, a, a dramatic change of offense, much like we did in going to the two-minute drill between – Denver and Jacksonville to hurry up on a regular basis. And we saw kind of a version of that with some more Jonathan Taylor runs, at least in the first half mixed in last week. Well, now I think you will see a lot of RPO. Um, Do do I still think they could use the up-tempo, quicker-paced offense with Ellinger? Absolutely, I think they do. But maybe some more boots with, with getting Ellinger out of the pocket at a more mobile pocket. I think that is also something that is more likely with having number four back there instead of number two. All right. What else? What else has crossed your mind in the past 
nearly, I guess, 24 plus hours as far as what what you expect coming up on Sunday all the way around. I guess what I would say is this, is that don't give up on the season just yet. And I'm not saying that based on some sort of glowing belief in the capability of this football team. I I base it on two things. One, 10 weeks is a long time in the National Football League. So many things can change between now and then for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, And two, there's a whole lot of average with the Indianapolis Colts right now. In other words, there's not much great in the National Football League. Now, you'll see – and, again, I'm not, I'm not sure how great the Vikings and Eagles are, even if I think they're amongst the best teams right now in the NFL. A lot can change in a month before the Eagles are here on October the 20th. A lot can change in two months before the Colts go play the Vikings on December, on December 17th or December 18th. And so there's a lot of season left. And if maybe, just maybe, this is the spark, knowing that I think this defense is pretty good, knowing that, hey, the wide receivers and tight ends from a playmaking standpoint maybe are farther along than we thought they were, that maybe this is the change that unlocks just enough potential on this team where they can win five or six games, and that might be enough to be a playoff team this year. So there is still a lot of possibility out there for this football team to go and do something with it. So Greg Raystraw, the post-game show host on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I'd mentioned this. You, you kind of get it on, on, on both sides because there, there's no doubt they believe that. But again, much like what you're saying, that doesn't make it true. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. They hope that it turns into a, a Disney type of movie script. Um, but if it doesn't, then – you move on and kind of set yourself up, I guess. You know, keep playing it out, but you set yourself up um, to uh, really look at a higher-level type of quarterback if you can move up a little bit further. Can I guess depending upon, Greg, where they end up as far as win-losses at the end of the year. But do you think anybody will go back and go, wait a minute, you do this when you're 3-3-1. Three, three even though you've only won one out of five within your own division, you're still 3-3-1, three, three and one, as you mentioned, in the AFC, where nobody except for Buffalo is really running away with anything. You think any of the folks around here, especially those that go to games and pay for tickets, might look at that and go, well, wait a minute, what are you guys doing before Halloween? Um, I, th- I think the proof will be in the pudding on, uh, on Sunday. And I have no idea what to expect from a crowd standpoint Sunday at Lucas Oil. I was honestly pleasantly surprised. Oh, they'll be fired up on Sunday. I think most of the right. fans dig this. It's just going to be right. when that digging it wears off because of the level of play. Let's face it. On Sunday, it, it, you've got something new. Um, I'll go back to the Jacksonville game. You know, Jacksonville probably is the team that brings the fewest amount of fans of any team in the National Football League. And that's not just an effect here, but literally everywhere. So I'm like, okay, it's beginning of fall break. It's a beautiful day. Colts have been disappointing, even with the win against Denver. I'm not sure what the, what the fan base is going to look like on the, on the 16th. Place was nearly full. Um, now you've got a quarterback change. Um, I, I don't think people are going to stay away in droves because of it. But I think what the rest of the season looks like from both a fan interest standpoint and simply a butts in seats standpoint I think is largely based on how Sam Ellinger plays on Sunday afternoon. Hey, quick one before I cut you loose here. Got a big Friday night coming up of high school football. What are you doing? So I'm going to do Carmel and Westfield. We on ISC have three games. So Carmel Westfield on MyNDTV23, Ben Davis-Brownsburg on Comcast 81. 
We're also producing Plainfield at Harrison in the 5A ranks. All those are streamed for free on the IHSA Champions Network and IHSATV.org. There's a whole lot of good matchups, especially in the larger classes where everybody had last week off. There's some really good first-round sectional matchups, and uh, we have three of them under the ISC banner. If it's free, it's me. <laughs> and you'll take three. You can watch all of them when you go to IHSATV.org. Did you find the mobile scoreboard that you were looking for? I did. Uh, and so this was for a uh, uh, a, a college that uh, had to move a game because of another event at their place, and the place they were going to didn't think they had a mobile scoreboard. I had three different people reach out to me, and it turns out the place they were going to, in fact, had a mobile scoreboard. Nice. The ask wasn't even needed, but thank you to Drew and Brad and Tony, who were nice enough to respond and say, hey, here you go in case they need it. You know that that was close to my nickname in high school. It was immobile scoreboard is what I was in high school. <laughs> I thought you were the guy in Green County that would simply yell, get you an assist every time somebody's going to pass I was, you. I, mean, I was very immobile. I could stand out there and just wait for somebody to finally swing that thing around. I, I, I often wonder, I go, hey, any of you numbnuts out there ever thrown a skip pass, Greg? I mean, seriously, anybody ever thrown a skip pass? I mean, here I am, wide open, ready to go. It's amazing the scouting report I get from all of my friends that have at one point in time played pickup basketball with you. When they go, when they're they're, they're like surprised that your own self description of your game is remarkably accurate. Yeah. When they go, you know, he really doesn't go inside the three point line. I'm like, no, uh-uh. no, he does not. That's twenty feet of travel up and down the floor. So that you know, it, when John tells you folks he's not going to shoot, you know, he ain't shooting no layups. It's all mm. for threes when John's playing pickup. Uh, Mark Barnheiser, the fantastic head coach at Lafayette, Jeff, told me years ago, threes better than two. <laughs> now you, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. I'm actually going to broadcast yes. an Indiana State game in November, and I almost picked up the Trinity Christian game. Oh yeah, featuring. Braxton, Braxton, yeah, that, that is actually on a Sunday. The Colts have off. They play the following Monday, then Monday night, the next night against Pittsburgh. But instead, John, I am going to do the Indiana State Drake game on November thirtieth. Well, so Bra- perhaps, yes, perhaps you can arrange to do the show at the newly refurbished Holman Center that day, and maybe you could reprise your role as my color commentator some 20 years later as that you and I sounds... do Indiana State Sycamore radio together to open up Missouri Valley Conference play. That sounds brilliant. That's a brilliant idea that you got right there. Reach out to the powers that be and let's make it happen. <laughs> and let's see if the new basketball coach will see will bring you the same beer disguised in a Pepsi cup that the last one did. I'm trying to get uh, I want to get Braxton a uh, an internship with the Pacers. He wants to do some basketball stuff, so obviously <laughs> Just keep him clear of Miles Turner's layup. <laughs> exactly. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. See you, dude. It's Rake Straw, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline.